0: Communion here, and uh, I'm going to spend a little bit of extra time on communion, and then come back with the conclusion of the service with the uh, uh, the count of the ballots. And I wanted to focus for just a moment, a little bit more on the bread, and then a little bit more on the cup. You know, the bread and cup are those elements that we use, and they symbolize the body of Christ, the blood of Christ. And I want to help put into our hearts and our minds what it means when we focus on the bread, when we focus on the body of Jesus Christ. Communion is remembering the body and the blood of Jesus. It's remembering Him. It's not reliving the sacrifice, but it's remembering the sacrifice that was done on our behalf. In the Old Testament, they had multiple sacrifices. There were never enough sacrifices. There was always a repeated sacrifice. And Jesus Christ came and He said once and for all, this is the sacrifice for you. The first sacrifice is when He was born of a woman of a virgin, Mary. As interested by what John Calvin said about the body of Christ. Christ has put on our feelings along with our flesh. And sometimes we don't always think about the reality of being a human being and yet being God himself. So I'm going to go through a number of scriptures that helps us to understand and helps us when think when we have this bread in our hands and we say, eat this in remembrance of me, what are we remembering about Jesus, the body, the human he is fully man. He is not partially man. He is fully man, but a sinless man nevertheless. There are a number of scriptures that helps us to understand what it means to have a human body as God. John says in John 1.14, the Word became flesh. The word capitalized because it is his way of saying logos. It is the God who has become flesh for us and dwelt among us, lived amongst us as any other person would, and we saw his glory, glory as the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. So he puts on flesh. He becomes human being. He becomes, Philippians 2 says, he becomes our bondservant for us. And because of that, we see these things about Jesus That just like us, Jesus becomes tired. So Jesus being wearied from his journey was sitting thus by the well, and it was about the sixth hour as he gathers together with his disciples. They're looking for some water, and a Samaritan woman comes along, and he then shares the gospel with this woman who gets saved, and her whole community becomes transformed. But even in that moment, he is tired. He is weary. He is worn out. And that when you and I have moments like that, he says, I get it. I get it remember the body of Christ. Jesus Christ became thirsty, and after this, Jesus, knowing that all things had already been accomplished to fulfill the Scriptures, He said, I am thirsty as He hung upon that cross. He was very fresh and real with the needs that He had. And as they came and mocked Him on that cross, we see that His body felt the things that we feel as well. It's in Matthew that we learn that He was hungry, he was tempted, he was challenged to become sinful, even though he remained sinless. Matthew writes, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after he had fasted forty days and forty nights, which is amazing, forty days with no food. This is our Savior, Jesus Christ. He says, He then became hungry, and the tempter came Satan, the evil one. Satan loves to come to us in our moments of weakness. He loves to undermine us. Satan wanted to destroy the mission of Jesus. When Matthew wrote this in chapter 4, he was verifying that Jesus Christ is worthy to be Messiah. Then in Matthew 5 through 7, it's the messianic message of the kingdom that he wanted to provide for us. In Matthew 13, the kingdom offer is rescinded. But here we see in Matthew 4, it is the development of his worthiness to be our sacrifice on that cross as he was tempted after this 40 days and 40 nights of no food. And the evil one said, if you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. And he tempted him to fail. It was in weakness that his temptation came. And Jesus says, when you are tempted, when you are weak, when you are weary, when life has the best of you, and you're not sure you can go the next day, Jesus says, Wait, I was there. I can come to you. We also know that he was physically needed. He needed the help of angels. As a human being, we need the help of angels on, on occasion as well. It says in Matthew four eleven, then the devil left him, and behold, the angels came and they began to minister to him. I don't know what that looks like. We saw them do it with Elijah. We see the angelic presence that come to help us physically, emotionally, and spiritually. We need those times where God supernaturally came because Jesus needed it. He was moved and troubled to tears over the pain of his loved one, Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. These are some of his closest friends that he lived with when he was on earth. And John 11 tells us about that. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping because Lazarus has died... And the Jews who came with her were also weeping. He was deeply moved in spirit. He was troubled and said, Where have you laid him? Lazarus, the brother of Mary and Martha, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. We've had any number of folks in our church who have lost loved ones. And in that moment, not only do angels want to come and minister to you, but Jesus Christ is troubled He's troubled over the reality that Lazarus died because sin is in the world. He's troubled as it goes all the way back to the Garden of Adam and Eve when they sinned and fell and death entered into this world. He's troubled over the spiritual journey that we go on, and especially when we lose loved ones. Jesus Christ says, I am troubled even though I know everything. I am concerned even though I know the end game, Lazarus will rise again. But he still weeps over the present reality of this tremendous loss. We see that Jesus Christ had spiritual struggles to do God's will. As he was just before the cross, he, was, he withdrew from them from about a stone's throw from his disciples, and he knelt down and began to pray, saying, "'Father, if you are willing to remove this cup from me, not my will but your will be done.' Now an angel from heaven appeared to him, strengthening him and being in agony, Jesus in agony before the cross in the garden." When his disciples would sleep when he was praying, being in agony, he was praying very fervently, and his sweat became like drops of blood falling down on the ground. This is our Jesus. This is our Jesus who had a human body, who had human struggles, who when God said, I want you to die on the cross, Jesus says, it's so painful. I'm asking you, Father, could there be another way? You ever had a chance where God is calling you into a very difficult situation of a relationship, of a job, of a mission, and you say, God, I'm not sure I can do that. Could you find another way? And God says, wait, I will be with you as I was with Jesus. I will help you through that moment. All of these things are reminders that when the book of Hebrews writes this, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. Conversely, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are. Tempted in all things, weariness, thirst, spiritual battles, temptations to sin, sense of failing, weeping over the loss of a loved one, troubled over the circumstances of life. All of those things he was tempted in as we are and yet without sin. Therefore, as a result of that, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need." Why do we take communion? Why do we take the bread? What does it mean when Jesus says to eat this in remembrance of me? Remember this Jesus. This Jesus who knows thirst, hunger, temptation, weakness, weeping, trouble, burdens of this world, Jesus knows it all, been tempted in everything so that we come before him to find mercy and grace to help in time of need. That's one reason why we take this bread, to remember the body of Jesus. Let me pray for this bread as it's going to be passed. And please remember that you have a faithful and sympathetic high priest who has felt everything you felt and wants to come and minister to you now, even in this moment. Father God, we thank you for this bread. We're thankful for the reality of the body of Jesus, a human being who experiences the same things we do day after day, the struggles of this world, the hardships, the painful things, the joyful times, the times of celebration and worship, all of them, Lord, he went through. But especially in those hard times, it's so comforting to know that we have a faithful and sympathetic High priest who wants to bring mercy and grace to help in every need. Lord, with this bread, we remember what a sympathetic high priest we have in Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Thanks once again. Father, we hold in our hands the symbol of the body of your son, Jesus Christ, that you were willing to send to this earth to become human flesh for us so that he could be that perfect sacrifice, that he would die in our place so we need not die that spiritual death. Thank you, Father, as we remember your son, Jesus, this moment. In his name we pray. And Jesus said, eat this in remembrance of me. And Jesus commissioned this time of communion in John at that upper room as he gathered his disciples together and he also then passed after that bread the cup. This cup was special because it symbolizes something very important. It became a new kind of covenant. The disciples would have known this, being Old Testament readers from the Torah. In Exodus it said, so Moses took the blood, sprinkled it on the people, and said, behold, the blood of the covenant which the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. It's only time in the Old Testament when blood was splattered across the people to bless them with this new covenant, this Mosaic covenant, this the Ten Commandments and the laws of God, essentially the constitution of the nation of Israel in the Old Testament. And they sacrificed a lamb that there would be blood that would be given, because God says that's the way we establish a covenant, because blood means sacrifice. And to have a covenant relationship with God requires some form of sacrifice. So in Exodus, when he began this with the behold the blood of the covenant, Matthew then picks up on this and says, and when he had taken a cup, Jesus did and had given thanks. He gave it to them, drink from all of it, all of it, you, for this is the blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And those Jewish men that had gathered together around that table, surely somewhere in their mind's eye they remember the priest and the many sacrifices of blood that has been established, going all the way back to that day when Moses established the blood covenant. And now they're beginning to understand that this man that we have followed he really is the Messiah because He's saying it's His blood like the Lamb. He is the Lamb of God whose blood is to establish a covenant, a very special covenant. So, I read in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-five 25, a repeat of what Jesus just said, but add something to it. In the same way, He took the cup also after the supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant, the new covenant in My blood. As often as you drink it, remember me." The new covenant as opposed to the old covenant of Moses, where there were multiple sacrifices, the Day of Atonement repeatedly sacrificing, that somehow one of these sacrifices will establish something that will last forever. And Jesus says, now there is a new blood, there is a new covenant. My blood will be a new covenant. Not Old Testament laws keeping them, but a new covenant of grace, where once for all my sacrifice is for you. You don't need to repeat it anymore. I want you to remember that," he says. Ephesians describes it in this way, in Him we have the redemption through His blood, this blood covenant of Christ that gives to us the forgiveness of our trespasses, our sins, every evil thing we've ever done, and He does it according to the riches of His grace. His grace never runs out. In John 1, 1, as He uh, introduces Jesus as the Lamb of God, He says, He is grace upon grace. There is no end to His grace. And for those of us who have violated the holiness of God, we have sinned in mind and deed, in attitude. Some of our sins are flagrant and awful and ugly and seen by lots of people. Some of our sins are deep within our hearts and only we know that we have committed those sins. That any of those sins, none too small, none too great, cannot be covered by this blood, that we can be forgiven, and that sin could be sent away permanently. As we take this cup, it's our opportunity to once again reestablish this holiness before God. I love the way Peter describes this blood, knowing that you are not redeemed with perishable things, things we do, going to church, getting baptized, communion, none of these things cause to us forgiveness. Perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life, inherited from your forefathers, but now Peter, remembering what Jesus said in an upper room about the blood of his covenant, he says, I want to call it precious blood. It's precious blood, as of a lamb unblemished, sinless in Jesus, spotless, the blood of Christ. So as Peter took that blood covenant with as we confess our sins to God, and then we take the cup as a response. This cup does not cause us forgiveness. This cup is a symbol of the forgiveness we have received. So I encourage you, as the cup is being passed, before we drink it together as one, if there is anything that is in your heart or your mind that falls short of the holiness of God, take advantage of this precious blood and ask for God's forgiveness, so that when we drink this cup together, we remember this new covenant, we remember the forgiveness of our sins, and we symbolize it through this cup. God, thank You for this cup. Thank You that Jesus gives to us tangible reminders of the price that Jesus paid on that cross to share His blood with us. Father, as Peter calls it, precious blood. It's hard to think of those two terms together, but the reality of what that blood can do makes us to understand the value so that we can be forgiven, not by perishable things of what we do, working hard, going to church, but God, for what Jesus has done for us. So now, Father, we come and remember you, and may each of us, as need be, come before the Savior to receive the gift of his forgiveness so that we take together, remembering forgiven sins of the past. In this name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Thank you, Father, for the gift of forgiveness. God, thank you for the richness of your grace, that your grace never runs out for us, no matter who we are, what we've done. God, thank you that we can remember the sacrifice of the shedding of the blood of Jesus to give us a new covenant, a new relationship that will never last, never never conclude, always will last. Help us, Father. I was to remember that well. Pray it in Jesus' name. And God said, drink this in remembrance of me. Thank you, Father. Thank you for what you're doing in our lives, what you're doing in our service this day. Thank you, Father, for what you're doing in our country this weekend. God, thank you for watching over us. God, that your will would be done in and through us. We humbly submit to you now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
1: Earth's quick before moved by the sound of his voice and sees it are shaking and stern, can be calmed and broken from my regard and through. Through it all, it is well. And through it all, through it all, my eyes are on you. It is well. And through it all, through it all, my eyes are on you And through it all, through it all, it is well And through it all, through it all, my eyes are on you And it is well, yes it is Yes, it is well, we lift a voice, we my soul.
2: him with a soul that is well. Sing it. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Oh my soul. Worship his hope. It's a new day, darling. It's time to sing your song again. Whatever may pass and whatever lies before me. Yes. Let me be. See you My chains are gone. My chains are gone.
0: Thank you, you may be seated, thank you. So great to hear your voices. One of the reasons that Joy and I love sitting up front here is to hear behind us the voices of praise and these wonderful hymns, and so we thank you for that. Great to worship together on a one service Sunday like this. Mr. Chairman, we have uh, understood that the ballots have been counted. Would you give us the they outcome? They have been counted, yes. Nearly a thousand votes were cast, and the membership voted 80% to affirm
3: the recommendation of the elders. Thank you for voting, thank you for listening to God, thank you for praying and seeking him and voting as he led you, which is wonderful. Uh, As a result of your vote, per the bylaws, the elders will extend an invitation. Eric Wakeling to be the next senior pastor of Calvary Church.
0: And and that was not B starting that clap back there, because she's sitting up here, so that was just somebody else, so we're thankful. And on uh, February 4th of 2018 uh, was
3: when we will schedule an installation service for Eric, so... We will work on the
0: transition between now and then, and that is the plan. That's Super Bowl Sunday, so it's super for a variety of reasons, yeah. And that's all I have for today. Well, listen, would you help me welcome up the uh, next senior pastor of uh, Calvary Church Santa Ana?
3: Thank you, please. Please sit down. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, I am uh, I'm a pretty emotional guy, so this is an emotional moment. I am humbled and honored to receive this call. And it is uh, with a recognition of the depth and weight of this role and the importance that it is that I accept the role of senior pastor here at Calvary Church of Santa Ana.
4: Thank you. <laughs>
3: oh. And I'm grateful, just grateful. Very, I have a, a grateful heart right now. I'm grateful to the elders of Calvary Church for their hard work, for their prayer, for their commitment to Christ. I'm grateful to you <laughs> right on. I'm grateful. <laughs> I am grateful uh, to Pastor Dave and for his integrity, his love for the Lord, the example that he has set uh, for all of us. And I'm grateful to you. Yeah, grateful to Pastor Dave. <clears throat> I'm grateful to all of you, the congregation of Calvary Church for your prayers for your commitment to this process, for the way that you have entered in, the way that you have sought the Lord and the way that uh, you've asked questions and, and been committed to all of this. So I'm grateful to this congregation. And, and I will say that we are one church body. We are a church family together, and we are united under Christ And I will say that whether you voted yes or whether you voted no, we are one church family. And that I am called by God to be the pastor of this church. Whatever you voted, whether you're young, whether you're old, whether you're kind of like me somewhere in between... Whatever culture you might be, whatever language you might speak. That I am called to be the pastor of Calvary Church for everyone. And I want to be your pastor. And I believe that we are truly one church family because we are under Christ. That Jesus is the chief shepherd. Amen. Amen. And I will say that at the beginning, when this was announced on September 3rd, uh, I I said to you that that I'm available, that I'm here, that I want to listen and hear your thoughts and answer your questions. And... I want to say today, too, in this moment, that I'm still here, that I'm even more available, that I want to be here to process with you. Maybe today you're excited and you're thrilled about the the vision and the future of our church, but maybe you're nervous. Maybe you are unsure. And so I want to say that I I want to be a pastor to the excited and to the unsure, and I'm here to listen. Even, you know, I've had some great conversations with people over these last couple months, and uh, even just even this week had some great conversations and with people where we can come together and, and know that we might not even all agree on what we should be doing here as a church. But at the same time, having these discussions and these times together, just sharing our story, sharing our heart, you know, praying, weeping together, praying together, and, and those have been beautiful moments with people. And so I just, I invite you into those moments still. Ah, uh, yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> you know, th- these last couple months have been, uh, you know, like I've, I've discussed, an interesting season for me as I've been processing uh, all of this, and, and I think that I've probably, I probably, I feel like I'm a man of prayer, but I've probably stepped up my prayer game a little bit in the last uh, two and a half months, <laughs> and, uh, and, and I've sought the Lord a lot in this time, and I've had people... A team of people even praying for me in specific moments in person and others that have said they're praying for this. And I've just had some, some more extended times of uh, solitude, just solo times with the Lord. And it was even in one of these, uh, one of these times was on our pastor, pastoral staff retreat up at Forest Home. And this was about the first week of October. I remember it was a Wednesday morning. We went out into about a two-and-a-half-hour time just alone with the God. And I went out with God and I went out into the woods and was just praying and seeking God in that time. And I was feeling a little sort of nervous and just feeling the, the weight of, of this process. And I was giving that over to God and just trying to, to seek Jesus first and to say, Lord, I want to... Keep my eyes fixed on you. And it was in the midst of praying and I was just silent before the Lord. And I, was, I was, had my eyes closed. And I have this, this image in my mind of seeing the face of Jesus sitting right across from me. Sitting G, seeing Jesus right across from me. And what I could see is Jesus with a twinkle in his eye and a beaming smile on his face. And him looking at me with this, with this pride and love that he would say, you are my child." And Jesus and, and me encountering in that moment that that deep deep love of Jesus Christ. And I think that I've had a very clear sense of peace in this process because I know that the face of Jesus was smiling back at me. And I, what I want to say to you. Is that I want all of us to encounter and experience that deep love of Jesus. And that the face of Jesus is smiling today at all of us. At all of you here at Calvary Church. And I pray that you would experience that same intimacy with the Lord. And that we would come out of that, that intimacy, that experience of God with the depth of truth of his word. And we would come out of that united together as one church body. And when we are united as one under Christ, we are not just united so that we feel a sense of, of, of community and comfort. We are united for a purpose. We are united to further the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why we are here. That's what we'll be about as a church. Amen. Amen. We are his bride. We are his body. We are his church. And it is under Christ that we will go out. And I just say, let's go church. Let's make an impact on our community for Jesus Christ and his name alone. Thank you. Thank you very much.
0: I had to refer to the script. See what's. Isn't that exciting? Wow, very motivating. I want to see Christ? We want to see Christ glorified until the appearing of a second coming. That's what we're called to do. All the elders are going to come up. I think we're going to have a time of prayer for Eric and B. I think is going to come up as well. So we want the elders to come and pray over uh, Eric and B and the calling that is theirs. It's an awesome, awesome calling, awesome responsibility, and uh, we know that. He and B and all of us need the supported prayers of godly leaders and godly people like yourselves to surround and support. So I'm going to invite uh, Norm and Rick, right?
4: Okay. All right, join me in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we just uh, are so grateful, Lord, that you. Um, you watch over us every day. You watch over Calvary Church. Lord, you have been so faithful to Calvary Church over the past 85 years. And, Lord, we are so excited, looking forward to what you're going to do here in the future, Lord. But, Lord, I just uh, I thank you for both Dave and Eric, two men uh, who have been and continue to be faithful servants to you, that have listened to your calling, Lord, and responded. So thank you for Dave for his 22-plus years here leading us at Calvary. Lord, thank you for speaking through him to us. We just pray for Dave and for joy. Lord, that you would uh, just give them peace and wisdom, as uh, Dave has still much to, to do here at Calvary, much to teach us. And also for Eric and B. Lord, we just thank you for them. They are such gracious people. And Lord, I just pray that you would continue to give Eric wisdom. You called him, he listened to your call, Lord, and he's here now to lead us. So we just pray that you put your word on his heart so that he can impart that to us, Lord. Lord, again, thank you. Thank you for all of the folks that you've assembled here at Calvary that work so hard to serve you and to serve our faithful congregation, Lord. So, Lord, we just, uh, again, praise you for today. We praise you that you are the senior pastor and that you've now enlisted Eric to serve you, Lord, and to help us understand how much you love us and what you want us to do here. So thank you for that, Lord. In your name we pray, amen. Yeah, one more. And Lord Jesus, I lift up Calvary Church to you and the body of people here, God, that we would be a light for your kingdom in this world around us in our work, in our schools, in our home, God, and that the worship that we do here, God, is just preparation for what we're doing in front of the world. And so, God, would you unify us? I pray for the years leading up to our 100-year anniversary and even 100 more years, God, that we would be a light shining on a hill, Would you direct our hearts, God, toward unity? Go before us, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.